Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Amen. Good morning. You can be seated here today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy you're in the house of God today. For those of you who are joining us online, uh, I don't know who it is, but I sure know my mom and dad are watching. So mom and dad, I love you. Thank you for uh, making me in a forest. Yeah, that's another story for another day, right? Oh, sorry. My bad. (laughs) My mom's probably commenting, Ryan, my honey lamb, what are you doing? Come on, well, I'm happy you guys are here at church today, and come on, thank you, Gabby and JV and Seth for leading us. Last night was unbelievable. Man, it was so powerful, and I just, uh, I, I pray for those of you who are here that you walk away changed, and those who weren't, I just continue to pray that, that whatever God did last night, he would continue to do in your heart, and it would just carry over, come on, into this weekend and into our church, and so, come on, we're going to get into the word today. Today, I'm excited. Um, uh, about sharing with you today because this is something that God's been putting on my heart. I, I, I got a chance to kind of get my first draft out to our leadership team last night, so I, I feel a little bit calmer. Last night I was a little intense, but today I feel a little bit calmer. Before I do that, though, I just want to thank our Brazilian friends here. For, they're really they're, they're they're Brazilian from all over the place in Canada. But I just learned something that you know. Um, uh, I only have two children, and I have a dog. And sometimes I just think, man, and you know, the you know, those of you in the room who have a lot of kids, I know you think that I'm a weak person, but you know, trying to herd my two children and my dog, and sometimes my wife, sometimes, yeah, you heard me. Well, I can't speak for you, so sometimes it's very challenging to get my son and daughter, and my wife, and my dog, and my home, and get to church. These Brazilian, it's like herding cats. Like, today you guys did a good job, but you should just spend a few moments with them. There's one thing I greatly admire about Brazilians. I don't know if you're like this, Rodrigo. I think you are, man, because you're just like, chill, bro. You're like, hoo, 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 hoo. That's Rodrigo's laugh. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Is that right? You understand me, Rodrigo? Are you following me? Okay. Um, they just have no agenda in life. I mean, they have purpose, but just no agenda. Like, we have debated the most pointless things. The most things we talk about is what's the best cereal and what's the best fast food restaurant and, and what's your favorite thing to do on a high, icy cold day. And they fight about it. And it's amazing. And I love it. And it's great because I can finally fight with someone and they just won't get offended. It's Sorry, okay, Brea. You guys get a little offended when I fight with you about what type of cereal I like. Come on, what's the best cereal? Let's just, oh. Oh, it's two? Wow. Okay. Captain Crunch, brother. Come on, with the berries. (laughs) Wow. All right, well, that's great. Um, See, that was very lighthearted. These guys are like up, JV especially, man. He's yelling. He's screaming. He's pulling out Google stats. It's like, it's awesome. All right, well, we're going to get, I'm excited about today and next week, but today what we're going to do is we're just going to, I have an opportunity to cast a little bit of vision for you. Uh, well, really what we're focused on uh, is really I want to share with you something that I believe is going to take the next four years. <laughs> um, and uh, I say that because uh, we're really casting vision for this 2023, but I believe God's given us a real clear vision for what is coming in this next season. And we're super excited about it. You have to forgive me also. I think I'm losing my voice and I'm a little under the weather, uh, I guess, but uh, praise God. 
God, you can pray for me right now that I get better. But my, I'm struggling a little bit to communicate. So if I'm a little bit more timid today, it's because I just can't seem to get the words out. So if you're used to me screaming like a madman, you're going to have a nice morning today. Very calm and blessed. It's nice to have that once in a while, huh? That's why I ask Andrew to preach. Uh, so he's calmer than I am. But come on. So um, we've been in a series for the last uh, 13 weeks or 12 weeks called Momentum. And what we've been talking about is what we wanted to really look at the book of Acts and try to understand what does the book of Acts teach about the local church? What does it teach about what church should look like? What does it teach about what our lives as disciples should look like? And we've been spending the last several weeks talking about this idea that, remember, Dr. Luke, he, he went out and he interviewed a bunch of individuals. He wasn't a disciple uh, at the time. He didn't, he didn't ever meet Jesus. He met Paul. He became a follower of Christ. He was a doctor. He gathered a bunch of uh, individuals individuals and begin to take notes and try to collect interviews about what happened when Jesus walked on the earth and what happened in the book of Acts. And he was trying to understand it. Most theologians believe that he was creating a, a document for a Paul who was on trial and they were providing it as a, like evidence to prove that Paul's point and so Luke went back and interviewed all these people, and he put together the book of Luke, and he put together the book of Acts as a way to kind of retestify people's experience. And what he did was, is as I say this every week, uh, 3,000 people, came, uh, God moved in a powerful way, and 3,000 people uh, experienced salvation, and they repented and were water baptized, and they were added to the church. It was a supernatural move of God. And then Dr. Luke decided that he would define what caused this spiritual momentum. Yes, it was the Holy Spirit. It was Jesus growing his church, but what did they do to keep the spiritual momentum going in their church? And in Acts chapter 2, remember it says this, all the believers devoted themselves. How many? Not some of them, not those who wanted to, not those who felt like it, not the ones who really agreed with it, not the ones who thought, okay, I'm with this group or that. No, every single believer made a commitment to be habitually committed to these things in Scripture. They were committed to the word of God, the apostles' teaching, that no matter what the culture says, and no matter what our world says, no matter what some uh, you know, deconstructionist thinks, or no matter what anyone says in our culture, this word remains the only truth on our planet. There is not a single truth that exists on our planet except for the word of God. So when our culture changes and when life changes and things change, we say, oh, it's not fair or it feels a little mean or it doesn't really make sense or it doesn't fit in our culture. All of that is malarkey. The only truth we have is the word of God. And so true disciples of Jesus say, yeah, I may not always like it, and it might not always make sense, and I don't even always know how it plays out in my life, but that doesn't matter. This isn't truth because I believe in it. This is truth whether I believe in it or not. And that commitment to say, I'm going to build my life on the word of God, and we're going to build our church on the truth of scripture. They also, they were habitually devoted to uh, fellowship, koinonia, doing life together. We do this in our groups, and we do this in other contexts on Wednesday nights, and to sharing in meals, eating together, and the Lord's Supper. There was a, a servanthood among them, and they were, uh, and the idea of being committed to prayer, this isn't just you praying individually. This is talking about the people of God gathering together regularly for worship and prayer. And so what they did was, is they they were devoted to God's word. They were devoted to relationship and fellowship with one another. And they were devoted to gathering together in homes and in the house of God to pray and to worship together. This is what stimulated spiritual momentum in the church. 
And then what happened was, is that from that moment, we see Paul, or Luke rather, begin to identify all the different things that happened. They shared all things in common. You know, they, they were in unison. They were in unity. All the different things we've been talking about, the results of this momentum were that they, there was a boldness in their faith to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a boldness to share Jesus. There was, this, uh, there was a fear of the Lord. And they recognized that God is loving and compassionate and caring. Yes, he is. But when the angels stood around the throne of God, they didn't say, love, love, love is the Lord God Almighty. No, they said, he's holy, holy, holy. There was a fear of the Lord upon the people. And they served one another. There was this, this culture of servanthood where they laid their lives down for one another and they realized that the greatest in the kingdom of God is the people who serve each other and lay their lives down for one another. We talked about how the spiritual momentum, that this momentum was, was seen in your finances. There was biblical financial stewardship. And we talked about the idea of tithing and the idea of the, the spirit-led generosity. So we talked about all these different things that, that really are the outflow, the momentum of God moving in the church and how all the believers were committed to this reality. And, and as we come into this weekend, I wanted to take some time to kind of bring this all together over the next two weeks, to bring all this together. What does this mean for our church? What does this mean for us? What does this mean practically for our vision? I'm going to get a little practical today with some of the things we're going to do. But before I get there, I want to just remind you today. So when we planned this weekend six months ago, we originally were going to do a relationship conference and our speakers fell through and it just didn't work out. We're like, man. And then Gabby said, hey, can we come and can we just like take out your garbage at the church and usher and greet and can we just serve your church? And I was like, we were like, oh, sure. And like, when can you come? And they were like, let's come on November 19th and 20th. And I'm like, oh, that's the exact weekend that we needed someone to come to kind of do extra ministry. And then I didn't even, God began to just download to me and speak to me. And he does this just supernaturally. And then I, I begin to realize, oh my gosh, it was six years ago today that we started Love City Church. I didn't even consider that. That's because sometimes I just don't think, you know? So it's like, I, I wish I was more like, you know, organized, but I'm like, oh wow, this is like six years ago. We gathered for the very first time in our church and this was our church uh, our little first, you know, youth kids ministry here. Here's our entrance, and this is my basement. We literally drew Love City Kids on a sign, and I regret that now. But at the time, we were like, who cares? Come on, this is, this is early church, you know, start in your basement. Come on. We didn't have any financial support. We didn't have a church partnering with us. We had a word from God. We sold our business. I had, you know, 10,000 bucks in our pocket, and we said, let's start a church. Look at this. We gathered together. This is our first Sunday. There's Nathan and Shanae. You're probably watching online with us today, but Nathan and Shanae have been faithfully a part of our church since day one. And you see Ryan and Julie, and you've got uh, Matt and Erica, and there's uh, Brittany right there. And we've got, uh, here's Andrew and Brittany, and Joel and Catherine are sitting over there. Here's Kat. Look at Catherine. There she is. And look at that skinny guy right there. Wow. Look at him. He's amazing. And then here's our kids' ministry. And so we have a lot of people here today who were there on that very first day. I know Joel, Joel and Catherine were there, and uh, who else was there? Anybody? Uh, they're probably in kids' ministry. I know Mike and Mal are out there. And here's, oh, yeah, here's Brittany and Jet. <laughs> but six years ago, we, we just thought, you know, let's just start a church. And I thought, man, like, I, honestly, I didn't really know what we were going to do. I just knew that I had a dream in my heart for a church that was real, authentic, a church that wasn't just about being uh, something other than a place that God loves and that's healthy. That was my big thing. I just want a healthy church because healthy things grow. Yes. 
And so I began to, we just, I just began to think about this over the last six years. Man, look, we, we've experienced, we started with 15 people in our, in our house with, with just over 10 kids. So we just had about, just about under 25 people in our home when we started on that first day. And we've had five different uh, locations in five different years. And we went through two years of COVID where we were required to shut down and all of the, the oh, God, help me, all the stuff that went on during COVID, <laughs> all that stuff, you know, and trying to figure out, do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? Do we gather? Do do we not gather? Do we have church at home? Do we not have church at home? One side hates me. The other side hates me. I just don't know what to do. Ryan, you wore a mask today. You're an unbeliever. You know, Ryan, you didn't wear a mask today. You're not a believer. Like, oh gosh, help me, Jesus. I don't know what to do. So I just tried to stay in the middle and just like, you know, if you're going to throw a tomato at me, just make sure you aim for my face. Okay. So I just tried to figure that out and navigate that. And man, look at what God has done. Despite that, he's restored marriages and he's broken addictions off people's lives and mended families. And we'd see salvation of the lost and we've seen christians become disciples and we've seen people's hope restored in the local church praise god and restored people's hopes and what it means to truly serve jesus and we fought for for we fought for health knowing that health doesn't always grow quickly but health is 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 it does grow and it is healthy and it happens and exists for generations upon generations and we've dedicated tons of children and we've given away uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and six years ago we were just maybe under 25 people and now today thank God we're 240 people as a church that is so amazing to see God adding to our church and we haven't uh, we haven't sold out on our values one time because we trust that God is going to continue to build his church. He built his church through addition. That's what Jesus did. Jesus built his church through addition. Think about it. Jesus was three years in ministry, and he grew his church to about 120. And he did it through discipleship. He did it through being in groups of people, teaching them about the kingdom, showing them about who God is teaching them about the kingdom. He would spend time with them and walk around with them and eat with them and live with them. Jesus' example of ministry was discipleship, addition, addition, addition. It was the hallmark of Jesus' ministry that he spent three years. And as he ended his time, as he was about to uh, go and, and be ascended to the right hand of the Father before the Holy Spirit came down, he gathered his disciples together. And the Bible says that 12 of them bowed down before Jesus, yet some of them doubted. That even then, they're standing before the living God and there was people in his midst that dealt with a little bit of doubt. So take, take cheer. If you're here today and you're dealing with some doubt, you're okay. <laughs> Here we have 12 people bowing before Jesus, and this is what Jesus says to them. He goes, I'm about to give you the most important thing you need to understand as a follower of Jesus Christ. He says this, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Say this with me on the count of three. Go and make disciples. One, two, three. Go and make disciples. He said, if you want, I'm going to tell you what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. What does it look like to be my disciple? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end. This is the hallmark of what it means to be a true, authentic follower of Jesus Christ. It didn't say go and attend church. It didn't say go and read your Bible every now and then. It didn't say go and make sure you give more than the person next to you. It didn't say go and, and, and go on a mission trip. It said, no, go and make disciples. Yes. 
Go and multiply yourself. Go and make disciples. We are here to make disciples. This is a multiplication statement. Jesus added for three years. And then he said, now I want you to multiply. God adds to his church. It's our responsibility to multiply. Remember what it says in Acts 2.41. Those who believed what Peter had said were baptized and added to the church that day. Look at this, about 3,000 and all. And a lot of times you think, man, that church has had exponential growth. Man, they went from zero to 3,000 in one day. No, these people went back to their homes and guess what they did? They made disciples. And as they made disciples, guess what happened? Churches were planted. And this is how we evangelized Africa and Asia and Europe across the world is that these disciples didn't go back and just go to church. These disciples went back and made disciples and planted churches. Yes. There was a disciple-making and church planting. Disciple-making and church planting. Disciple-making and church planting. That was what they did. And they gathered together, and they worshiped, and they prayed, and they were in people's homes, and they continued to be committed to God's word, and they were continuing to make a difference in the city and, and the nation, wherever they were. How? Not by singing a good worship song. Not by being a part of the coolest church in the city. They made a difference by multiplying themselves. But in order to multiply yourself, you have to be something worth multiplying. You have to first make a decision that I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am. I'm going to be a disciple. Something began to happen. A disciple-making movement began to happen. And there was a pattern that happened where the gospel was shared. Disciples were made. Churches were planted, and then local pastoral eldership were instilled and added to that place. That's what happened. That's how we see the entire, what you are sitting in today was because someone went out and made a disciple, that made a disciple, that made a disciple, that planted a church, that planted a church, that made disciples, that made disciples, that made disciples, that planted a church, that planted a church, that planted a church, that made disciples, that made disciples. That is the rhythm of what it looks like to be in the kingdom of God, that we make disciples and we plant churches. And we make disciples and we plant churches. This is what we are called to do. We see here something interesting today I want to show you. Today in Canada, the population is 38,525,550. I want to show you this. 47% are uncertain about their faith. 47%. The statistics show us that, that 16% of our population call themselves religious. Only 6, 6.1 million people. Of that 16%, 74% of them are similar to us, evangelical, who believe similar things. So only 16% or only 16% of that, uh, 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 sorry, 74% of that 16%, I know it's all confusing, it's just numbers. I'm not very good at math. <laughs> only those people believe maybe what we would believe in the same type of theology. 47%, that's, that's 47%, 17 million people. 19% of the population are unbelieving. 47% are uncertain about their faith. 66% of the population in Canada are either unbelieving or wandering from the faith. That's 25.1 million people in the nation of Canada that are going to hell without Christ. That's 25 million people who are having broken marriages and 25 million people who are are hopeless and 25 million people 
who are lost and 25 million people who think that Muhammad is the way or maybe they might think that, 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 that the energy is the way or that, that pop culture is the way. 25 million people who are, who are thinking about suicide, 25 million people who are trying drugs to fill the need or drinking alcohol to fill the need or sleeping around in relationships or chasing nothing or building a career, chasing uh, this elusive, this thing that they need. In reality, it's just Jesus. 25.1 million people in our city who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is an opportunity for you and I to do something about that. There's an opportunity for us to make a difference in the kingdom of God. You might look around and say, we're only 240 people. But did you know God has tremendous plans for our church to make a significant impact, not only in Calgary, but in, in Canada and across the world? Because our commission is to make disciples of what? All nations. 25.1 million people. Did you know that there is only 11,000 evangelical churches in Canada? Did you know that across North America, 80% of churches are less than 80 people? Did you know that, that there's only 12% that are between 120 and, a, and 1,500 people? Only 12% of North America. Now, if you do the math of how many people live in America and Canada, I think maybe we're, we're missing some folks. Only 4% are, are over 2,000. Another only 4% more than that are only 5,000. So the, we say, man, this churches right here are the, we would call in the church world envious churches. Churches you look at and you think, man, I want to be like them. I don't think that, but other people think that. Man, these are the, the bands and the people and the things. And God bless them. I pray for them. But the strategy that many of our 4% churches are chasing after is called addition. We add more people. We add more campuses. We add more buildings. But we aren't multiplying. We're making disciples. We're seeing lost people saved. And it's awesome. And I love that. And we will continue to add. But there is another layer of expectation that many local churches are not doing in the world today. And that is planting churches. There is a call on our church to see addition. God's going to add to the church. We don't need to worry about that. He adds to his church. He brings lost people wherever we go. And God's going to continue to do that. But there is another level. There's another layer. There's something that I believe God is calling us to do as a church. And it's not only to make disciples, but it is absolutely to, to make biblical disciples who understand that when you make a decision to follow Jesus, there is a yes on your spirit to say, I will go. It might not mean going from our church, but praise God, many of you will. Some of you in the room today are called to plant a church. And we're going to plant you as a church. Wherever the Lord's putting on your heart, we're going to send you. And we're going to reach hundreds, if not thousands of people through the many churches that God's called us to plant. This means we need to refocus our aim as a church. We need to refocus what we're aimed at. Now, I want you to hear me. We're actually not aimed incorrectly as I thought about it and considered, I thought, man, we're really, really healthy in a lot of ways. And notice, I don't ask for your money during church service. You say, why do you do that? Because I trust the Holy Spirit to take care of us. And if I teach you well enough in scripture about giving, I won't need to beg you for your money and hit you over the head with the Bible or pray you'll come to church so we can pay our bills. That's between you and God. It's, it's a returning to the Lord and it's a spirit-led generosity. That's, it's up to the Lord. We've always trusted him with that. You'll notice in a lot of ways of what we do is that we don't push people too hard and we trust in the Holy Spirit to help people step towards serving on a team. Now, I think some of you should serve on a team 
who aren't serving on a team because we need your help. But I do trust the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you much better than I can. <laughs> People join a group and the environment, all the things we're talking about here, we believe that we have a very, very healthy environment. But we need to make sure that we are aimed at the right thing. Now, I don't know if you can see this where you are, but this says individual edition. This is when you and I are called to reach and reach the lost and make disciples. This is not the church's responsibility. This is your responsibility. You need to hear me. The church's job is not, it's a place to facilitate, to equip, to encourage, to help you do the job of a disciple, which is preach the gospel and make disciples. Our job isn't to, for you to come and just, okay, I'm going to let Ryan lead me in discipleship. I will do that. But it's your job to preach the gospel. It's your job to share your faith. It's your job to talk about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's my job to preach uh, about, uh, about, about the Lord and share about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look what 2 Corinthians says. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what's he, what he's doing. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. See, the only way that you and I can truly accomplish the, the objective that God's called us to accomplish is if you and I accept the fact that if we are not sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's going to hurt. We are not being authentic disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, I know this is hard. Andrew and I were at a restaurant the other day, and this girl came up to us, uh, and uh, she said... Um, Oh, yeah, she wasn't just like, hey there, boy. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Get an email. Pastor Ryan, are we, what were you doing out late at night at a pub? No, we were at uh, the rec room, and it was for Andrew, and we were with our kids. And uh, this lady walked up, and I asked for some salt, and she goes, I'm stockpiling salt. And we're like, okay. And she's like, I'm stockpiling water and potatoes, and I have a whole thing. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Why? And she's like, well, it's all going to get bad, and it's going to be the end of the world. And I said, do you want to know why I don't stockpile things? She goes, why? I was like, because I have Jesus in my life. I said, do you know Jesus? And it was just a moment, and I'm not saying that, I'm not, Andrew knows, I don't, I try. But it's those little moments where we just say, okay, this is my responsibility. I want this woman to know Christ. She might even be watching right now online because we told her about our church and invited her to come online. If you're watching, we love you. We want you to come to Jesus. Like, like she, she was just there. We started talking about the Lord and what, what he means to me. And she's like, oh, yeah, I've been feeling like something in my life. And like we just need to realize that a way for us to build a healthy church is to recognize that preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ is not the, the person who's on fire for God's job or it's not the pastor's job. It's my job. If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, if you want to wake up in your walk with God, if you are in a spiritual doldrum in your walk with God, if you are dry in your walk with God, go out and preach the gospel. Now, nine out of ten times, you're going to get spit on. Sorry. Jesus says we should take great joy. But there'll be that time when the gospel of Jesus Christ impacts their life so radically, you say, I'm going to do it ten more times. This is 
the bottom of our target. Here's the next one. Here's our target, the vertical target. This is how we can hit the mark. Now, now we are making disciples, not just leading someone to Jesus and making them a disciple. No, we need to make disciples who in turn go and do the same. So you say, what's our scorecard? Well, more butts and seats and more money and bigger buildings. Well, hey, like whatever. That's not really our scorecard. Our scorecard is how many of you are making disciples? And are the disciples that you're making making disciples? And are the disciples that they're making making disciples? And are the disciples making disciples that are making disciples? That's how we start a movement in Calgary. That's how we see revival in this city. It's not just through an emotional worship service, which I really love. It's through us doing the work of ministry. We see here that this target, your personal multiplication mandate, we have an addition mandate. We lead lead people to Jesus. Excuse me, that was the Starbucks sandwich. Your personal addition addition mandate, I'm going to add people, I'm going to preach the gospel. Your personal multiplication mandate, I'm going to disciple people who disciple people who disciple people. And this is what that looks like. And Jesus said to go and make disciples. Not only that, now we have we shift this to the other side. So this is you. This is me. I gotta do this too. I gotta make disciples. I gotta preach the gospel. I gotta live like a Christian. I gotta be a, a, a darn disciple. <laughs> I gotta just actually accept it that this is what I'm called to do. And if I don't like it, I need to just choose not to follow Jesus. Because if I'm not willing to do this, then maybe, and I know I'm being really harsh this morning, but it's only because I love you. Maybe I haven't truly considered the cost of what it means to follow Christ. Because this is what it means to follow Jesus. I reach the lost and I make disciples. I reach the lost and I make disciples. I reach the lost and I make disciples. I don't, it doesn't say go to church and make sure you give. It, it says reach the lost and make disciples. Reach the lost and make disciples. And now we have the church. This is corporate edition. This is what we do. Is our, our, the Bible teaches in Ephesians. Look what it says. It says... Oops. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Look at this. Their responsibility. Everyone say responsibility. Their responsibility. So the church environment, the, the leader's responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. Our responsibility is to create context for you to grow and change and learn and, and learn how to be a disciple and learn how to preach the gospel, learn how to make disciples and learn how to do these things. That's this context. That's why we have groups. That's why we have Pursue Night. Every single Wednesday night, we prophesy, we pray, we worship just like we did this morning. That's why we have Grow Nights where we have holistic training for parenting and finances and, and, and forgiveness and because we're trying to create, we're trying to disciple you and create discipleship moments so that you can go and be a disciple of Jesus, not just so your life can be better, so you can make someone else's life better. And so we try to create environments uh, in this scripture. What we're trying to do is try to create these environments. And what happens is, is that naturally, as we begin to create environments where people are reaching the lost, and you can bring them on Sunday too, that's for sure. Bring them Sunday, bring them to a group. That's awesome. You can still invite them to church. Of course, we're going to reach people for Christ. But not only that, we would reach more people if all 240 started sharing the faith. Yeah. And we'd make more disciples. We'd multiply if we begin to multiply. And now the church creates an environment about supporting discipleship. And what begins to happen? Local churches start getting planted. 
You say, oh, man, I feel like we need to plant a church in New Brunswick, or we need to plant a church in Portland, Oregon, or, man, we need to plant a church in Uganda, or we need to plant a church in Salem, Oregon, or we need to plant a church in, in Manitoba. Man, we need to plant a church in downtown Vancouver. Man, we need to plant a church in Germany, or we need to plant a church in all these. We need to plant a church there. Or maybe someone comes and says, man, I feel like God's telling me to plant a church. Come on. We, we have an intern residency in our church. He says, okay, come on. We are going to train you for the next year, and we are going to fully support you and send you out. Why? Because the, the, it's proven statistically that more people come to Jesus Christ through church plants than through growing big churches. And here's why. Because we accumulate. We accumulate. We accumulate. And the Bible actually teaches us not to accumulate. It teaches us to, to receive and to give. Receive and to send. Receive and to send. Receive and to send. So I want to just share this with you. These last few verses here. And then I'm going to just give you some practical things. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him if, if uh, that's a hard translation. How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Isaiah 6, 8 says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? This is just after he got out of the experience of being in the presence of the Lord. God's first response to the people was like, Who will go for me? There's a few things we want to do over the next uh, year, but our focus is in 10 years, we'll be, four years, we'll be 10 years old. First thing is this, focus vision. We're doing a focus vision, mission, values. As you see, our logo's changed, and we're just trying to realign ourselves to make sure we're on task. The eldership team and the leadership team's doing that. We're going to roll that out in January. This is really practical, so hang with me for a minute. Locate and purchase our own facility, uh, God willing, in the next year. Amen. Facilities facilitate ministry. Yes. Come on, we're going to add a youth pass. We need to hire a youth pass. We've got over 30 young people coming out on Wednesday nights. Uh, a youth pass to continue to strengthen our youth ministry. We need to add the kid pass. My wife's been in the kids' ministry for a long time, and so we need to get her out of there. She's doing a great job, though. Good job, Steph. <laughs> Establish a young adult ministry to focus on ages 17 to 30. Our, our smallest demographic in our church is ages uh, 17 to 30, singles. And uh, we want to grow that area of our church. Amen. Because I think some of you need to get married. Praise God. And I also believe that some of these are some of the people that are going to plant these churches. Establish a structure, a system for new believers called First 40. We've asked Yinka and Kenang to oversee our new believers in our church. So now we have a thing where for 40 days, there'll be someone partnered with them. They'll be taught a foundations class on Sundays, and we're really going to put an emphasis on our new believers. Continue to strengthen our current groups and launch new ones throughout the city, and that means we need more group leaders, praise God. Uh, add a next level to our discover process called partnership led by Vince and Justine Paul. This is for those who want to go deeper into the church. And these are the people who say, man, I'm a partner with Love City. I want to, I want to be a giver and I want to be an inviter and I want to share my faith and I want to like have the full meal deal experience. I want to be involved in every way. This is for partnership for those and continue to establish grow nights by providing holistic training for all the things I mentioned and continue to launch our a Love City online campus. Many of us find us online and so we need to make Make that even better and create a kind of a digital pastor to care for those people. Continue to develop a Love City ministry partnering with Hope Mission. We feed the hungry, 
Pregnancy Care Center. We help women and children, and we're trying to stop abortion. I'm not going to be shy about it. We are trying to stop abortion in the city of Calgary. We're trying to save the, you know, I don't know, it's like millions of babies that are being aborted every year. God wants them to be born in the name of Jesus, and we're going to be a part of that movement of helping people have birth and give children because God tells us to multiply. Sunshine Ministries, women fleeing and children fleeing from uh, physical abuse. Continue to part with international partners, El Aviva uh, in Italy, praise God. Firm Israel, just making disciples in Israel. World Compassion, we're helping persecuted Christians. Uh, establish a yearly missions trip. We're working on a trip to Sylvania and Italy. And we're also working on a trip to Uganda that's next summer. We're still trying to make it happen, but we're trying really hard. I'm going to develop a leadership pipeline for anyone in the church says, Ryan, I want to be a group leader. I want to be a leader in the church. I want to preach at the church. I want to, I want to be in ministry in some way at the church. A leadership training pipeline that I'm going to lead up and begin to start for people who want to be a leader in the house of God. We're going to establish an internship with a Bible college class of 17 to 25. We are going to establish church planters internship residency so that in the next four years, I'm just going to say it and we're going to believe for it, that we can plant two churches. In the next four years, two churches. I think some of them are in this room right now. Identify a couple and a specific location to plant churches and develop a short-term teams that are able to go and serve from our church, these local churches. As we end our time, I'm, I'm gonna take just a couple, just three more minutes. I wanna just mention this to you. I wanna remind you of something, remind you of why we are here today. And the truth is this, life is short. My life, put your hand in the air, look at your hand, is no longer than my hand. A whole lifetime is but a moment. What are you doing with your life? What greater cause than to help plant churches and add people to the house of God and change lives? What greater cause would you give your life to and give your finances to and give your, your heart to and your attention to than seeing more lost people plucked out of the gates of hell? Life is short. Eternity is real. At the end of our life, there are two options. You go to heaven or you go to hell. Your choices matter on this planet. What you do right now in life will have an impact in eternity. What you do in life right now will have an impact in eternity. Not only whether or not you spend an eternity with or without Christ, but also in the new heaven, new earth, as followers of Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us that how we choose to live our life, God will look at us and say, son and daughter, he will measure the choices we make when the new heaven and the new earth. Eternity is real and life is short. It's real. And that's the only reason we exist, is to help lost people come to Christ and help Christians finally get saved, praise God, and become true disciples of Jesus Christ. Life is short. Eternity is real. And guess what? People matter most. I know for a long time, as you serve Christ, the focus is internal. But as a, when you become a true disciple, what happens is, is your focus becomes external. And you find that as you meet the needs of people, He meets your needs. Look at this scripture in Luke chapter 5. This will be our last verse today. The Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Come on, I'm that scum, praise God. Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Jesus said, I have come to call not those, look at this, who think they are good people. 
who think they don't need God, who think they can do without it. I didn't come, I didn't come for people who just don't need me. I came for people who are sinners. And look at this, and know that they need to repent. I came for people who recognize there is a li living, real God who exists and he lives us and he cares for us and he created us and he has a purpose for us and then he wants us to spend an eternity with him forever and he wants us to reach more people and make more disciples and plant more churches and reach more people and plant more churches and make more disciples. Why? Because we, he, people need Christ. Life is short. Eternity is real. People matter the most. What are you doing with your life? Will you join this mission with us? Get your right life with the Lord. Say, all right, Jesus, I've been a screw up, but it's okay. He says, that's all right. I know. <laughs> but right, forgive me, Jesus. I just haven't been on track. It's okay, son. Let's get back on track. Let's get back on mission. Let's make sure that our target is what it needs to be. That you're preaching the gospel. That you're making disciples. That you're making disciples that are making disciples. That our church is focused on reaching lost people and making disciples. And through that, uh, organically we'll see Planted, churches planted. Some of them might be 10 people. Some of them might be 1,000 people. Some of them might be 10,000 people. It doesn't really matter. We just want to reach people. Yes. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? I want to pray. And normally we would do announcements at this time and stuff, but I'm just actually going to not do the announcements today. I'm going to release you today because of our time. But I want to pray. We have a couple of cool things coming up that I'll tell you about. Our Christmas tree giveaway. Come on, we're helping the Pregnancy Resource Center, or Care Center, and the um, Hope Mission. Hope Mission. We have a few more tags you need to grab so that we can meet those needs of those kids and those families. Uh, our Heart for the House is coming up during December. Every year during December, we just take uh, we take an offering any day during the uh, any day during the month, any Sunday you can give. It's between you and the Holy Spirit. We'll talk a little bit more about it, but that's coming up as well. And then lastly, what do we have? One more thing. That's it. Okay, that's good. Oh, Discover. We have Discover. What's that? December 7th, Discover's coming up. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that this mission will be in your heart. Come on. Holy Spirit, we just say yes, God. I just hear my heart. You saying, whom can I, whom can I send? Who will go for me? And Lord, we say yes. That might not mean all of us playing a church. But it might mean that we just have a yes in our heart with our finances. And we have a yes in our heart with our giftings and our talents. And we have a yes and we say, yes, God. But I pray that this mission and this vision would sink deep into the hearts of every person in our church. That we would be authentic, true disciples of Jesus. And that we would make disciples that make disciples that plant churches, God. Father, I pray against any fear. Lord, against any, any doubt any concern. Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, they would be reminded today that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And because of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, we have that authority. And so, Father, we just declare that, God, you're on the throne. We just declare, God, we pray into this, this mission and this vision. Father, help us to plant two churches in the next four years. Lord, help us to find people, God, who will go. Lord, help us to find, Lord, locations. God, help us, to, Lord, as a church, to rise up to the occasion, to rise up to the call, to reach these millions and millions of people that need Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus.
Jesus Christ. Now what we're going to do is I'm going to dismiss you. And the band is going to keep playing. And if you're here today and you want prayer, you say, man, this spoke to me and I need some prayer. I want you to come forward right here in the front. My Brazilian friends and some of our team are going to pray for you. But you, want, you, need, you need prayer right now. Don't be shy. Come forward. We want to lay our hands on you and pray for you this morning. If not, come on, you're dismissed. You can keep the lights off, please. You're dismissed. We love you. We'll see you next week. But please come forward if you need some prayer this morning. And we would love to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.